we are back for another episode of Write That Down. This is Project Therapy, and uh, we're just talking. It's Project Th- Therapy 3. So we've already yeah, done last two. last week. Yep. Yeah, yep. last week we were talking about how we have all these quote-unquote recurring segments that never occur. But Project Therapy, we actually have done right twice before, so we can call it record recurring. <laughs> Yeah, and I what I like about Project Therapy is that um, you know, it doesn't matter what things we're working on. It just is nice to have this quick conversation and and like start to uh, dissect some of the things that we're working on. And if we're not working on it, perhaps it's something that it's a great great place for me and you to on the spot think of stuff and and try to figure out how we can work through this. And it pairs really well with uh, keeping us on task for our resolutions and stuff like that. I was thinking that as well, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah. So I'm, I'm I'm trying to recall the last couple project therapies, and if we have made any <laughs> leeway or any, <laughs> if we've gotten any anywhere close to what we thought we were going to be doing or, or anything like yeah. that, if you can recall, I, I I meant to go back and and listen or at least see what projects we were talking about. Uh-huh. I assume for the first one, I was talking about loser, which is a project I've right. talking about uh, talked about talking about. Talking. I guess about. it's just talked about. T a l k i n. Talking. Christopher Walken. Talking. Uh, <laughs> it's a project that I've talked about a lot. Uh, I think uh, the second go around, I was probably talking about. Uh, I think it was after we did our uh, comfort zone episode. Yeah. Where we made goals of expanding out of the comfort zone that we never did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think I was probably talking about uh, one of the the quick ideas I had. Um, of just the neo-noir thriller thing being set in a Midwestern town. Right. Um, at least I assume that's what I talked about. Maybe this is breaking new ground. But uh, do you recall what, what you have talked about? I, th- I think I remember the first time you were talking about you had weddings coming up in like six months that you were getting yeah. <laughs> into the weeds or nervous about or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, I think it was mostly, I don't know if it was, yeah, I, I, yeah, it was definitely that. I'm trying to think what that time frame was. I think it was like a year, a year though. And so it may be very similar to, you know, what we talk about today, but perhaps there's some differences in, 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 you know, there's some updates on, on those, which, which I'm hoping to get to. Actually, I think we also had Evan Quinter on for, for the second episode of Project Therapy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you're right. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Why don't, uh, I'm going to, even though you already opened this up, I'm going to throw it to you and see what you've got going on basically if i guess we never explained it project therapy is basically the opportunity for us to talk to each other uh and i guess collectively as uh a community talk about projects that we're doing whether it's something that we just want to share and get feedback on or maybe we are stuck and need help kind of pushing a boulder to open the gateway or something um so yeah, why why don't you kick us off? Uh, what do you have going on? Sure. Uh, so this is going to be a little different than usual, but it sort of again to just reiterate on a couple things. What Jacob does and what I do are vastly different, but within the <laughs> same videography sort of creativity realm sort of thing, right? You're not going to find me sure. writing a lot of these things that Jacob's doing, and and so to go off of that or in that vein, I guess. You know, what I want to talk about today is sort of a balance between, you know, how much more do I want to continue doing freelance work because that's what I love doing versus how much can I actually do. And so in some of in this project therapy, I'm not necessarily going to be talking about you know, the projects that I'm working on just due to, you know, client stuff and 
you know, privacy of projects that haven't been completed yet and stuff like that. Yeah. But what it comes down to what I'm, what I'm, what I'm talk about is, you know, you know, we're starting to book more weddings, which is great. It's very exciting. And we actually have some, some folks reaching out and, and the weddings are on the same days. So we have to actually like say, Hey, you know, we can't actually do your wedding cause we've got some double Oof. books, which is, which is like rough. Cause you know, you only got a couple weddings coming in. And then you but have it's the also potential. Like business is booming. <laughs> That's right. Business is booming. But why does everyone have to get married on the same day, right? Uh, yeah. So we got to get married. You know what I'm saying, <laughs> right? And so, so I guess what I'm trying to get to is, you know, with sort of some of the real estate stuff, uh, with with some of the wedding stuff, and just like you know, small business commercials when when they start trickling in. It's like I want to get as much as I can. I want to take in as much as I can. But I'm at a point where you know I. I don't want it to ever compromise, you know, the day job, right? Because that's first yeah. and foremost. That's that's like important. That pays the bills, uh, and but I can I want to continue to get more work because I love it, right? So I'm at a point where how much more can I take versus, you know, how much should I? And yeah, I guess it's the question that maybe you might have some insight in, or or some way to help me figure that out without really knowing that workload. I don't know. Sure. So I guess what my follow up question would be, have you found since you uh, started doing weddings? I mean, I assume there is some amount of you learn and things go smoother and it takes less time. <laughs> yeah, but I wish. Have you found as you do? <laughs> uh, have, have you found as you've done more weddings, uh, shot more weddings, that your capacity to do more in a given like like in a month or in a couple months has grown or is it, has it kind of stayed? Okay. I know what I'm doing now, but I, I still, I still need to take time and not overload myself. Yeah. That's a good question. I, I mean, to be, you know, completely transparent, you know, I don't think we've done enough to really know that. Right. Uh, and sure. you know, we've done a few and I know that I can do, I know I can do two to three weddings in a month. Like, and that's to reach my timelines and the deadlines and stuff that we've set for ourselves. And that's the most we've ever had in a month. And so a lot of folks out there who do it full time and even, even just, you know, every weekend during the summer, or during the wedding season, you know, they're able to, to get, you know, four, four weddings in a month and they, they can complete those weddings. Now I'm not in that spot because that's not yep. what I do full time. And it's just not, we don't have that much, that many weddings coming in. Um, so to, to answer the question, I don't really know, first of all, and second of all, I, you know, I don't, haven't done enough, uh, to, to, you know, again, to really know, but I do have sure. to say that if everything was so easy and I knew it was going to be so smooth, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't have any anxiety or ha- have any anxious feelings towards, you know, booking sure. weddings, but, and, and I do have those feelings, right? So I don't really know. If you ever not have those feelings, because again, you can't, if you miss up, if you mess a shot, you miss the first kiss, whatever you miss any, anything yeah. and they ask for it and you don't have it. It's like, well, I, I messed up. Right. And <laughs> then all your credibility as a videographer is gone. But, and so that's always in the back of your mind. And I don't know if that hinders the amount of work I can do or that hinders my creative spirit around what I can do because it's not debilitating, but it's there. So I don't really yeah. know. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. So, so what is, is kind of your, your big question right now? Is it just like, how much can I do? How much can I do? How much should I do? And once I answer that question, the next part is, do I continue to try to ramp up the amount of work 
uh, ramp up that you know video production like how not not the quality but the amount like do I try to market more do I spend more time trying to get that work because as soon as that you know if I spend more time doing that which is what I want to do that that leads to more uh chances of messing up right more work you do right <laughs> just like truthfully sure. more chances of messing up. it leads to um less time to you know record podcasts like this or or less time to you know watch sporting events and do the stuff I like to do uh yeah Go to crew games. Right, right, right. Go to Columbus crew games, like, you know, all of that stuff. And then it's also on top of another full-time job. So it's like, you know, how, how do I know if that's going to interact with my mental health and stuff like that? Yeah. Uh, and you just, I just don't know. Uh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's interesting. I mean, I think it can even go beyond just the effects of, okay, I have my full-time job and I have my freelance. So that leads to uh you know less hanging out doing podcast stuff but i think there's also the effect of okay i'm doing my full time and i'm doing uh you know multiple weddings per month Mm -hmm. uh or multiple projects per month whatever it might be uh i think it, it is interesting that that dilemma of do i try to kind of spread myself thin and get or thinner at least right uh and get a product out the door or do i uh it maybe take on be a little bit more selective uh and put out a higher quality product in the end. right right but and, ideally and, the selection like to be more selective means that i'm getting double the amount of requests for your right, right? and so that's at a point where you know a lot a lot of uh, companies videography companies photography all, all sorts of people who are working with clients, you change your clientele as your product gets better, right? So a lot of times starters will take whatever they can get, right? Uh, you take whatever they can get to get the experience, to, to you know, maybe get a little bit of money and also build that portfolio. Portfolio We talk about that all, all the time. But you know, as you gain experience and qu- your quality goes up, your clientele will, will probably change uh, in that uh, you know, you're you're taking less work and perhaps they're paying a little more. And so when you see that switch happen, that's when you know, like you are a either, I want, don't want to use the word luxury, uh, you know, videographer, but you, you are a master at what you do and your, your, your quality of work is there that people can pay more and they justify paying more. Right. And so a lot of yeah. times and what, what, what I'm trying to experience now is that clash between, you know, how many can I take, because I want to take them because I still feel like I'm still new at it and I don't have enough uh, justification within the work that we've, that we've done. And maybe that's internal, <laughs> but uh, versus when can I, when do I start like inching those prices up a little bit, changing, not necessarily changing the clientele, but changing the amount of work doing, but charging a little bit more. And the reason I bring this up now is because in this project therapy, large, this is going to be largely different than the conversation you you bring to the table because you're probably sure. combating internal things. I mean, just as much as I am, but you don't have that external factor of having a client who's paying you, right? A lo- yeah. I, I imagine a lot of the stuff <laughs> you're going I'm not through, getting paid. <laughs> well, yeah. Not yet, right? Not yet sure. uh, until you sell one of your sketches or something. But and I think that's what's important and and why I want your your input just because it it gives us another set of eyes on you know what 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 we're trying to get to, yeah, well, I mean, so I mean obviously you've said i I'm not 
as much in the freelance business as you are. Yeah, I think you could be some voice actor. Sh- sure, I I keep meaning to look up Fiverr and scenes and just like yeah. lending my voice to things and making like ten bucks on this. Well, I wouldn't charge. I feel like using my voice would be more than ten bucks. But caramelizing uh, baritone. That's that's what you're you're <laughs> caramelizing. Yeah, I'm gonna use that. As, yeah. as like on my Fiverr biography, I'm gonna say caramelizing voice. Everyone's gonna be like, "What does that mean? What are you talking about?" Sticky, <laughs> sticky, <laughs> sticky baritone. But, <laughs> uh, so, so basically, I think uh, what you are getting at, and you can tell me I'm way off base, but something I've been thinking about recently anyways is the idea of saying no oh, darkus is so cute sorry nate just picked up his cat uh and she's still on frame and she's adorable we should we should have a show instagram where we can just show pictures <laughs> of every time i see your pets yeah. um the idea of saying no and i think you know when you are a freelancer there might be that mentality of i need to do a lot of projects so I can build that portfolio so I can show people that I'm worth it, that I put out good work and things like that. Uh, But I think you can do that while still, you know, maintaining your mental health. Uh, And it also benefits the the product in the end, because if you aren't saying yes to everything, uh, then you are able to spend more time per per project in addition to your full-time job and things like that. Uh, and you also just get that added benefit of not doing two eight-hour jobs per day, That's right? True. You're not doing your eight to eight to five or nine to five, uh, and then doing weddings immediately after or full time on the weekends or anything like that. Uh, I think that's also just applicable to everything. Is is just saying no, uh, not because you know any offense to the person asking, but you know self care. It, that's making true. sure that you are able to to live your own life outside of work. Yeah. Um, the, I think yeah. to be, again, to be fully transparent, at least in my experience, and maybe other folks have experienced this too, maybe this is a universal feeling for young creatives or, or older, whoever, is that there are there are droughts. There are times when you do, you're doing lots of work and there are times when you're not doing lots of work. Sure. And... And that's where it gets tricky because like currently we're in the middle of winter. We're also in the middle of the pandemic and stuff like that. So these different factors are, are playing a role. But, you know, currently uh, I our, what, our last video project was uh, a couple months ago and it was, you know, working for a school district. And and that was vastly different than, you know, doing like a 30 second creative TV commercial or, or a website sure. video or even a, wed- a wedding video, whatever. And so that was vastly different. So I feel like I haven't used that creative, like I haven't edited something for a client in like half a year. And so I'm sort of in that, that drought phase that where, you know, we, let's market as much as we can. And, and now like the clients are coming in, but it's all for the summer. So we're going to be completely booked over the summer with a, a variety of weddings and a variety of other things. But now I feel like I need to book as much as I can just so that I can keep doing it so I don't lose, you know, my quick editing pace and all that stuff. Because, you you know, you can lose it after a while, especially sure. with all the Adobe, like, uh, updates and stuff, <laughs> right? If you right. don't open it up for a while. Now, I, luckily, I get to do that stuff at work. 
Uh, but yeah. it just if at my, at my other job at Penn State, but it just feels different when it's you know at work versus sort of like it your freelance gig. Yeah, I mean, I will say that there is a little bit, at least in my experience, of you know the riding a bike metaphor. Yeah, <laughs> when yeah, I opened yeah. up uh, Premiere, because I mean, I use uh, Adobe to edit the podcast and things like that. But really, most of my use is uh, for work in Photoshop, yeah. uh, if if anything. Uh, but when I just opened up Premiere to uh, do the promo video that we that we put up last week uh, mm-hmm. on Facebook and Twitter, uh, of if you didn't see it, you can go to at uh, Jacob Yesvac on Twitter, or if you're friends with me on Facebook, I also posted it there. Uh, I just it cut out uh, a bit of our Zoom call uh with xander and evan last week just because i thought it was funny and it was just you know it wasn't anything complicated it was just cutting corners and of you know the zoom call and and zooming in on people uh but it was still like ooh, i haven't done this in a while yeah yep 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 (laughs) so so it is kind of like it it is interesting after that break to to open that back up oh yeah um but uh yeah i mean i guess my thoughts on your dilemma is you know i i completely understand the wanting to have that mm-hmm. full schedule for lack of a better word uh but i think also it's okay to to not say yes to to each opportunity that comes your way uh or maybe just limit it um because i think you're still getting the portfolio experience uh and you know, how much difference is three weddings going to make versus five weddings and things like that at the cost of your sanity and or, you know, life. <laughs> uh, so, right. Yeah, it's tough. It is tough. I, it's, but I, I thank you for your input and your insight. It, it's good to keep your, you know, close friends around to chat with it, even if they're not experts in it, just, just because, yeah. you know, I, I, I'll probably ask this question to multiple other people in our friend group just because, you know, we're lucky enough to be blessed with, you know, some solid people and solid, you know, great, yeah. great people. And with, you don't trust smart. me. Well, and I don't trust you, but also, <laughs> no, but uh, yeah, so I, I thank you for your insight and, and I'll let you know and I'll let the podcast and I'll let the audience know how, you know, what, what ends up, you know, what we end up doing, you know, uh, yeah. we'll probably find ourselves because again, it, this is only our second year, I think officially having this production company and it certainly has you know i don't know if you can call it growing but we've you know gotten more quote-unquote clients and stuff like that Um, it has grown i would say maybe uh but yeah so i know that was a little different than the the old def the the old project therapy i almost called it definitely not procrastinating because it kind (laughs) of is but uh the old project therapy in that I don't have a specific project that we're talking about, but no. I hope next week or, or at least not next week, but I hope the next time we do a project therapy, it will be a project that we're working on. Uh, you know, like a sketch or something that's a little longer form, maybe a, a short. It's funny. <laughs> we call it longer form, but it's a short um, that, you know, we can brainstorm on, on the, on the podcast so that, you know, the folks listening have an idea of, that whole thought process going into a final product that they may see. Most of the folks sure. here listening are probably never going to see any of the work that we do, uh, you know, with the, with the work at work, like your 
unless they're a student trying to go to Juniata, right? They're probably never mm-hmm. going to see that work you're doing at Juniata or the work I'm doing for Penn State. So right. it's just sort of arbitrary work. Um, so hopefully we can get to a point where we can start, you know, having communication and, and dialogue and having conversations about work that they can see and perhaps be a part of. Yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, have you made, uh, just a, as a cap on, on your uh, therapizing, uh, you made your resolution of making some sort of video every month. Have you made any progress? Uh, it it being, uh, a little after mid January right now. Uh, yes and no. So, (laughs) so, uh, have I made some videos? Yes. Uh, are they the type of videos that I, you know, probably was thinking about during that resolution podcast? Probably not because they were for work. So I think I need to add a caveat to that. And that is, or stipulation, that is that these videos have to be purely outside of my job at Penn State because I'll, yeah. I'll make videos at, at that, you know, randomly or multiple videos a month. And it just feels different, right? It's just a different feeling. I'm, I'm, not, I'm kind of forced to do it because it's the job, but, you know, and I love doing it. I'm saying I love doing it, but this is a little different. So. Sure. I, so I think starting in February, uh, and I'll maybe also tag you in on this starting in February, I'll try to get a video done, uh, personal, maybe, you know, whatever it ends up being, but sure. But maybe by the end of February, January, I still have plenty of time. Yeah. You know. Yeah. You got, uh, what? 11 days, I guess. Yeah. Something like that. To date this episode, super specifically. Yeah. <laughs> um, This month's partner for Write That Down is Fisher Stroud, a friend of the show, Nate. She sure is a friend of the show. In fact, she's actually done work for us previously a couple years ago for a very famed project that you worked on. Indeed she has. So Fisher is an illustrator based out of New York who creates a mix of original work and fan art. She's available for commissions and other types of artwork like that. Yeah, and as Nate alluded to, she actually did the artwork and the poster for The Wyman. So we can attest to her illustrating prowess. Uh, So if you want to see examples of her work, uh, they can be found at her website, which is fisherhstroud.com. That's F-I-S-H-E-R-H-S-T-R-O-U-D.com. And her Twitter at Ribbles, which is W-R-I-B-B-L-E-S-S. She'll be opening a merch store with prints, keychains, and stickers in 2022. So stay tuned. Thank you, Fisher, for becoming a partner of Write That Down. No, so enough about me. Enough about it. that was that was way too much time on me, Jacob. Let's talk <laughs> about you. Let's talk about your projects. Let's put you in the hot seat. Sure. Yeah, it is warm in this room. Uh, well, so for me, I mean, a loser is still a big thing that's occupying occupying my my thought space. But I didn't want to bring that back just because I talk about it enough, anyways. Um, and then I was going to talk about that Midwestern neo-thriller thing. But yeah. then I was like, oh, wait, I talked about that last time, didn't I? Uh, so I'm not going to do that either. I, I might bring it back at some point uh, okay. if I, and once I make progress. But I wanted to talk a little bit about something else. So 
kind of a genre that's in terms of writing and, and movies and things like that that I'm not versed in, but I found myself appreciating more and more is kind mm-hmm. of like psychological thriller horror things. Ooh. Um, what are some examples? Come on, right up top of your head. Uh, get Out? Last Night in Soho. Uh, get Out is oh, a good one. Okay. okay. Uh, get Out, directed by Jordan Peele. Uh, that's a good one. Uh, Last Night in Soho, which I talked about as part of a Death yeah. not procrastinating at some point. Uh, new Edgar Wright movie. Um, yep. There's uh, this isn't this is a little bit more loose with that genre, but The Green Knight uh, that I think I talked about at some point, which is based mm. off of an Arthurian legend. Um, sure. Uh, there's oh uh, I was just talking about this movie with uh, Harry actually my roommate uh, the lighthouse starring Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson uh, it's just like this super creepy oddball psychological horror just starring these two people in a lighthouse uh, uh-huh. it's it's very interesting and it's you know that genre has been occupy occupying my brain space more and more even though I you know it's not typically what i was interested in for most of my life i mean i've talked about how uh early on in my college career i did uh a short film called red that was a kind of a a horror thing uh it was more so based around the the clown craze that was going on uh back in what like 2016 2017 or something where people were just dressing up as clowns and creeping everybody out yeah, that was a wild time. What what happened with that, by the way? I feel like that happened, and then we just kind of forgot about it. That no, was we weird, didn't forget right? about it. It's we had a lot of other wacky stuff happen, dude. True. Yeah, it was it's wacky, been a, wacky stuff. Yeah. Um. So that's really my only experience in doing horror. Uh, but I think what I've grown to appreciate is just not so much like jump scares, like ooh, clowns are creepy and things like that. Um, but with last night in soho or the lighthouse or get out or any of these things it's a lot of building a world and also just kind of playing off of expectations and uh setting and things like that especially with last night in soho kind of being modern and also 60s and things like that um all this to say a while ago i had uh an idea for uh, kind of not a fan film kind of thing, but basically uh, one of my favorite games of all time is an old uh, Super Nintendo game called Earthbound okay. um, and uh, and Mother 3, which was the, the secret. It's complicated with English names and Japanese names because um, mm-hmm. Earthbound came out in the U.S. The following game, Mother 3, did not and its name in Japan is Mother. Whatever. Doesn't matter. Uh, I had an idea for a prequel kind of thing. Uh, called George and Maria uh, mm-hmm. that is based off of like the parents of the character uh, of the main character in uh, Earthbound um, and it is kind of like that psychological thriller horror thing I won't get into the weeds of you know the plot and you know relations to the source material that I was looking at and things like that because it's complicated but uh, but suffice it to say, it's kind of a sci-fi, uh, you know, thriller thing. Um, and part of what what's complicated, there are actually a couple of things that maybe you can help me with. One is uh, the setting. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I think 
with that genre in particular or that kind of subset of genres of you know psychological horror slash thriller whatever uh is uh like last night in soho i mentioned bending modern and 60s era uh this could potentially be in set in like the 1920s or like the 1910s mm-hmm. or something uh in like kind of a, a rural uh maybe suburban space something mm-hmm. like that but i i'm wondering if there's any merit to modernizing it because okay. in my eyes so the the game is kind of you know sci-fi-esque uh and the ways where i was thinking of taking the prequel story uh makes it you know requires a little bit more technology than was available in the 1910s right Right. Uh, so I'm wondering, sh- is it worth adjusting the time? How how strict do you think I should be in terms of you know following source material and things like that? You know, I mean that that could so it could go two ways. Uh, the way I see it, Jacob, is that one, if you try to if you try to keep it in that time frame that originally was you know kind of meant to be. It may be trickier to do if you're trying to, you know, uh, you know, work with it now because yeah. then you're make working it. with props, right? You're trying to yeah. make it. So, so there are some limitations there, but, but it would kind of might be easier because you have a sense of what it's exactly supposed to be, right? Yeah. The other way you could do it is to look at it again, like you were saying, trying to modernize it. And that may also have its limitations because then you are slightly adjusting what that whole story is about in, in the time in which that story is taking place and all of that. And then you can, you'll start to slightly move away from what maybe you were supposed to be writing about or explaining yeah. about or right. And you don't want to get too far away from that, but we've noticed even in Hollywood and, you know, countless other mainstream media things that that modernizing stories can work. And we've yeah. also noticed that modernizing stories also can <laughs> really blow up a dumpster yeah. fire. Shout out to uh bel air. Uh, I mean, I guess it's too soon to judge cause it hasn't come out, but they're doing like a super drama version of fresh Prince of bel air on HBO. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. I, I, I think, what are you what are you leaning towards? Well, so I, I think in terms of the horror thriller aspect, I think there is a lot to be said of uh, you know, setting it in the nineteen tens or twenties or whatever it is. Uh, because I think that also adds to that sense, uh to the sensibilities uh of, you know, there's less technology, there's less certainty of what is driving all of these forces at play, there right. is less ability to communicate with the outside world and things like that. That I think would really be interesting uh, in terms of just that kind of storytelling. Uh, but also, uh, one of the storytelling devices that I was thinking of is one of the main characters uh, basically recording his thoughts as like uh, through a camera. Like okay. uh, someone doing lab experience experiments and kind of recording video video diaries or something like that, right? And that could which, potentially be easier in a sense, yeah. Logistically, like even the seventies, even if it's like sixty years later, 
not even right. fully modernized. Right. But that also complicates, uh, you know, if if I'm going to keep it somewhat true to the source material that I'm basing it off of, uh, the game Earthbound is firmly set uh, in like the 80s, early 90s. Okay. Like it's full of references and, and satire of that era. And so setting it in like the, the 70s makes it make less sense. But also, should I be worrying about that that much is kind of my one of my dilemmas. I think, I mean, one way, again, another way you could go about it is you could you could start working on both. Or, or like start working with what you feel is the best way to start, right? Yeah. Setting that time period, and then when you, once you start getting to those limitations that are debilitating, they're not allowing you to continue to work in that same frame. Maybe you decide actually, I'm going to veer off from my original idea, and I'm going to keep working on this because it's it can build out to something really cool. And in fact, you're working on, and if that turns out to be you know like a productive thing and it turns out to be a great story it doesn't matter where you started because you've now created something that actually intertwines and and it's just a a really great story and it actually could work and so i think you know being hard fast on the starting the starting frame that you're in could put you in a box that limits the creative spirit that you can put into it yeah yeah it's then again, sometimes sticking to what you started with is good because uh, it gives you that the, frame. Like similar, there's that like the theory that doing horror typically like you won't get a big budget for those, which kind of drives creative decisions mm-hmm. of you know working within your limitations and things like right, that. Right, right, right. And so I think uh, when you start writing this story, you don't actually have to be logistical, or you don't have to look. You don't have to take a pragmatic approach when you're looking at the logistics of how can I make this happen? I think your focus is writing the story. Yeah. You know, and you know, as long as you're not making it unrealistic to be created with a budget of $200, which is what we probably would a hundred, a hundred bucks a person is probably all we would throw to it. Mm. And that's for the beer after, right? (laughs) Uh, Just kidding. Um, Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I think you you write the story and as it morphs into something, you let it, you let it, you let it work itself. Sure. And and then it turns into sci-fi starts in the 1910s, goes up to, you know, 1965. (laughs) Now this, uh, this also leads into one of my other problems, which is what form am I going to take? Uh, Should I try to do like a a short film as yep. kind of the test? Yep. Should I try to do full on feature? Nope. Should I no, make a series? Jacob, short. The best thing about the short is that you can start it and end it, and it is a full story. It's a you, the viewer hopefully is from start to finish has feel is fulfilled is. Uh, Invoke in that that film invokes the emotion you're trying to invoke because that's the point of the short, or leaves you at some kind of a cliffhanger, and then and that's an okay way to stop and not do it again because it is a, a horror film. Yeah. I think the the worst horror films for me, and I really don't like watching them because they're scary, are the ones that leave <laughs> you in that scent in that ending of like what, like for instance, this isn't this isn't a great example, but. 
one movie that has always got stuck in my head because it's just so gross and horrible is one of the human centipede movies. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. I, it, 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 it can't leave my mind and I absolutely hate it, but without getting too graphic, there's one of them, one of them, those movies. And basically this creation of people, I don't really don't want to talk about this, but, <laughs> but the, the person in the front ends up dying. The person in the back ends up dying and the person in the middle is still alive. And that's the end of the movie. Right. So we don't, we don't see that person in this horror genre, this gory horror genre is alive and there's no, like, there's no way this person can survive, but you see their eyes open and they're just still alive. And it's like the worst thing ever. Right. And so what, what I'm trying to get to is when you do a short, you can have that. But if you feel like you haven't completed that project and you want to keep going, you just do another short. Or you just expand it into a feature. Or you expand it into a feature. So I don't think... It's a good movie. There you go. So I think that you are on the right track in thinking you should start with a short. Yeah, because it is nice. Uh, Part of my concern is I have all these ideas for features and series and things like that. That's like none of this is ever going to get done. So it, it would be nice to just be able to get 15 pages, call it, send it out to people, see what they think. And then maybe if I'm unfulfilled, get back and expand to it. Part of the problem is I have an outline that I actually haven't looked at in a long time because I wrote it and then kind of forgot about it as I started ramping up loser writing and things like that. But as I started, it was similar to the problem with Wyman where the more I thought about it and the more I added things, I was like, oh no, this is going to be long, isn't it? Yeah. But you know, when, if you look at it that way, I know you have so many projects that you want to do. So again, we have to look, we have to take an approach where we can, where you can potentially, again, this is my opinion. So you can take it with a grain <laughs> of salt. But if you look at it this way, if you say, I want to work on a short, now we're going to work on a, a series and maybe just add one more thing, maybe sketches. Sketches will be its own thing. Yeah. I can devote time to this short. I can devote time to this mini series and I can devote, devote time to. The, the variety of sketches that we're going to do later. And when you compartmentalize it that way, then in your brain, you're not like, I've got four different shorts I'm trying to do at the same time. I've got three different series. And in those series, they're all going to be five, six episodes. And then your brain just starts to get boggled yeah. up. But when you, again, when you compartmentalize, I got one short and one series that I'm working on and they're vastly different. One's like horror and one's that comedic sort of yeah. loser, right? And so what I'm thinking of is this, loser and then perhaps that noir you know one that you're going to work on yeah i think that's easier to see you accomplish than just continuing to come up with ideas of different series and stuff uh, to try to finalize something so you feel good about the fact that you finished something sure yeah well thank you the this this does help my mind i i do i'm kind of ready to to get back and and see what i can do with this that's good i'm excited because i know whatever projects you get yourself into i'll somehow be a part of and hopefully you feel the same (laughs) way about some of the stuff that that i'm that i'm getting myself into here too so still waiting on the invite yeah well you know (laughs) if i had a nickel for every time nate brought up human centipede (laughs) oh man (laughs) (laughs) but let me tell you that i I, i'm 
there are so many movies that I've watched and there's so many movies that are like exponentially greater movies have greater value. But that one scene at the very end of the movie has left an imprint on my mind that I will live with forever. <laughs> right. Okay. I watched this movie 10 years ago. No wonder it scared the bejeebers out of me. <laughs> right. I, so that poor 15 year old, but uh, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I think that's great. I, I I'm excited for you. I'm, proud of you for speaking about that stuff and and i look forward to you know working on more projects and yeah yeah i, I can't wait to finally have something done that we can, that you can call you know a, a, we can get past loser yeah we talk about or we are not loser we we x-men the y, y men i wish the I y men yeah, yeah x-men <laughs> that was that was running through my brain earlier so i said it because it's a wonderful creation we can all agree we love it We've got great memories, nostalgia, everything's tied to it. But as soon as we start growing and creating things outside of that, that repertoire of how you can speak about yourself and your work is no longer that college student. It's you as a professional, right? Yeah. And so I'm super excited for that time where we were like, yep, we've graduated college. We've been out of college for four years now. And look at all these things that we've created, that you've created, that you've directed, Right, that your envision came to life, and that is what I'm super excited for. Man, you should really watch Tick Tick Boom. I uh, I know you keep telling me that. It, when it touches I remember, on some of these themes. I mean, everybody should watch Tick Tick Boom. This is my weekly check in to see right. have you see watched Tick Tick Boom? <laughs> yeah, not yet, not yet. Maybe this weekend. Yeah. If you text me and remind me, I definitely will. I don't think that's true. Now you're right. <laughs> Well, uh, on that Good. note, maybe we should get into some definitely not procrastinating. Yes. How does that Let's sound? Let's do it. Let's do it, Jacob. Uh, do right. you have one in mind or do you want me to go first? Uh, I can go. I feel like All I right. always force it onto you for you to go first. You do. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> I uh, I mentioned last week I have a lot of movies and things like that that I watched over the winter break. Uh, uh-huh. And so I, I looked at my Letterboxd account, which... I mentioned before it's basically just a logging social media system for all of the movies that that you watch and things like that. Um, I was like, what did I watch in December? Uh, one uh, that actually I really liked and I think is starting to get more and more clout in the Oscar nomination uh, pool. I mean, I guess we'll see. Uh, I hope it gets nominated for for things. Uh, but it's a movie called Coda. Um, okay. C-O-D-A. And uh, it's, I mean, when I see the word Coda, I think of DSL Coda or something mm-hmm. like that in the music sense. Um, but in this case, Coda stands for uh, Child of Deaf Adults. Uh, okay. And so this is a movie uh, that is on uh, Apple TV. So if you have Apple solely for Ted Lasso and haven't touched it in a while, this is a good reason to, to pull it back up. Um, Coda is about this this kid. Uh, it's a coming-of-age story about this kid who uh, is the child of two deaf parents and has a brother who is also deaf, uh, but she is the only one in her family who is not deaf. Okay. Uh, and so it's kind of an interesting look at uh, you know this this family who is mostly deaf in a in a community that doesn't know how to handle that, okay. uh, and just kind of the the daughter, the the main character. Uh, trying to you know go through high school with all these obstacles uh not only with you know the the community not 
knowing sign language and things like that and not willing to understand her parents when they're, mm-hmm. you know, in their jobs and things like that. Uh, but also just being a high school kid and all the struggles that that comes with uh, and also being, uh, you know, the child of two uh, deaf parents uh, and wanting to pursue music in college mm. and things like that. It's it's wow. very interesting and it's very well done. Um, yeah, I, I think it's it's really cool. Called Coda, uh, which uh, on Apple TV, um, actually a lot of actors that there weren't really any actors that I recognized in that movie. Mm-hmm. Although I watched it with uh, uh, my dad, and he was like, "Oh, she was in Seinfeld and, and things like that." Yeah, uh, and and my mom walked through and recognized uh, someone else as well. Um, but yeah, it's uh, definitely some actors that I'm like. I'm going to keep an eye out for, for other future things. So wow, yeah, Coda, that's powerful. It's a good movie. That, that's powerful. I mean, that's exciting to hear something like that, that could become like mainstream, like that is on Apple TV and that people yeah. will see it outside of sort of the indie circuit. Right. Not yeah. saying that's indie, but and I think that's important. I think uh, you definitely sparked my interest in, in that. Cause when you can watch something and you can learn a lot about, different things that you haven't ever experienced. I think that's because it can reshape your life. Yeah. Right. And that's the power of media when it's done. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, that's, yeah. that's what I got. That's a good one, Jacob. Oh, that's a good, that's a oh, great thank one. You. Thank it's you. A little oh, bit better than your, but none of the uh, other Marvel movies ones. I've suggested were good. No. Okay. <laughs> actually, we have a listener who uh, we'll see if she actually listens this far into the episode, uh, who would be very ecstatic that my, uh, definitely not procrastinating is this. This is actually a a gift from a friend, from Becca, actually. So next time I okay. see Becca, I'm going to know, we're going to know if she listened to this episode or not, uh, because <laughs> she's going to tell me yeah. about this. So anyways, we're this seeing is, her tomorrow, but we are, she, so, but, but right, she's not so going to we'll have see. time to, yeah. Uh, so this book is called uh, Fake, Swe- Fake Swears, Filthy Explicatives. Is that how you say it? Explic- Uh, expletives expletives there it is that are 102 percent clean okay so she got me this book as a gift uh (laughs) and and so like there are you know 120 pages of fake swear words that are perfect for like when you want to swear and it gives you the reason of when you would use those words right Uh, so i was looking for an all i was looking for an author and it and it doesn't have an author but it's published by knock knock somewhere in california uh, but anyways, ah. I'm not. I'm. I'm gonna try to to do one every couple of episodes, so I don't have okay. to use them all right away. But I'm gonna read you this introduction, and I'm not gonna give away any right now, so it keeps you tantalized for the rest. Okay. Yeah. So this introduction goes like this, Jacob. You're sitting at a lovely brunch with your uptight in-laws, and you spill a glass of Merlot down the front of your shirt. You're carrying your nephew to his crib when you step painfully on one of his plastic building blocks. Legos. This, uh, the executive, I guess that's the word, the executive everyone detests is suddenly dismissed and you're tapped to fill his position. Exclamations rush to the tip of your tongue and then you bite it. All right. So, so, and then it keeps on going and going and going, but basically it's a bunch of fake swears that you can yell. I knew a lot growing up. I had a friend who would yell sugar every time something happened instead of yelling the, the, the S word or, um, oh, here's a good one. Dang. A lot of central PA people say that. They just go, dang. 
<laughs> uh, so that's a good one. But there's some there's some pretty interesting ones here, and uh, I'm excited to share some of those throughout our journey here on Write That Down. I th- I think you need to use those without letting me know that you're using them, and then my goal is to try and figure out, okay, that's from that book. <laughs> yes, okay, that's a great idea, and we're definitely going to try that. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I assume uh, that was given to you because you have a knack for using Swearing? random words oh, like using Rubega. random words exactly you know that's it was a wonderful gift with a lot of uh, good intentions behind it uh, i think she's preparing <laughs> me to be a father someday where you can't just swear randomly <laughs> not that i do or say rutabaga or say rutabaga <laughs> that's right that's right that should be in here if that's not in there i'm gonna be upset <laughs> write a letter to the editor yep awesome cool good stuff jacob yeah Good stuff. A lot of growth. Yeah. A lot of working through our problems as yeah. as therapizing should. Absolutely. Absolutely. So until the next time we do a project therapy, continue to tune in for some good stuff. We actually have some solid people lined up for the show. So uh, I hope you continue listening. Yeah, absolutely. I'll uh, Actually, I'll see you tomorrow, but I'll also see you next week. Sounds good. All right. See you later, Jacob. Thanks for listening. Write That Down is produced by Nate Ulrich and Jacob Novak. Music for this podcast includes Answered by Ketza and Dream 13 by Punch Deck. You can find links to both artists in the description for this episode. If you'd like to be a part of the show, you can email your questions or topic suggestions to askwtd at gmail.com. Once again, that's askwtd at gmail.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next week.